Live from Oak Street Cinemas with a sellout crowd of two rowdy people. <laughs> Welcome to episode five of Washed. What's going on, DJ? Episode five, yeah. I mean, kind of threw us a little bit of a curveball today. We've been talking about some different topics here that we really want to talk about, and we kind of had two locked down that we're going to get to later. But as we know with sports, things change in a hurry real quick. It's Always going, never stopping, and that's right That's right now with the NFL. It's free agency, and the funniest thing right now about free agency is kind of the two biggest things. I mean, there's all been a lot of big signings, but the two biggest things have actually been trades for two of the biggest receivers in football. So, yeah, it's definitely been kind of surprising. And um, those two big trades is Antonio Brown as a Raider. Odell Beckham Jr. is a Brown. And that just sounds so weird to say for both teams, but I think my weirdest one is talking about OBJ as a Brown, which has happened while we're recording this a, a few hours ago, which is just weird for me to say that's an intro right there, that Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. is a Brown. NFL free agency is going off in the first couple of days. It's been pretty crazy, and, and like you said with the trades, yeah, I mean, o, OBJ and Jarvis Landry are going to reunite, former LSU Tigers, and the Browns are no longer the seller of the AFC, man. They, they are very much a contender. And, and, you know, Baker, they already had some great skill players this year. Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, uh, like I said, Landry, OBJ, David Njoku. Uh, they just, you know, uh, obviously a little, uh, you know, think what you want. But they just signed Kareem Hunt as well. Obviously, we're going to see what happens with his situation. But just on paper, the, the skill talent that they have on the offensive side of the ball is uh, – they're going to be in the competition for the AFC Championship next year if they stay healthy. I mean, seriously, like it's it's crazy to say out loud that the Browns are going to make a a push, but with all that talent, it'd be kind of stupid not to say it. It's it's a fun offense, and it's yeah. crazy because uh, hey, I'm I'm going to be real honest. I was dead asleep on the way home from work today. Uh, I was on the bus, don't worry. But I'm <laughs> <laughs> carpool lane. <Yeah. laughs> I was an auto driver. Here we go. But right. no, nah, I, I was Tesla. The, I was I was on the bus. And literally, I woke up to a text from, from my guy, Stephen Bentley. Shout out, Stephen. Literally just being like, OBJ's a brown. What the hell? And I was like, what? The kind of thing. I, I thought it was a fake Adam Schefter freaking tweet or something like that. Open it up. And, I mean, Twitter was blowing up. It was crazy. Because, I mean, at the, at the combine, it was, which is not long ago, the Giants GM is saying, you know, I didn't sign him for this giant contract to trade him. But people always kind of were like, okay, sure, you're, you're going to say that, but a trade could still happen. And it really started heating up the last few days. But when it happened, it was just the Browns, you know? It was wild to think about with the Browns. Definitely wild to think about. And, and also with another team that made a big move, the Raiders just acquired Antonio Brown. Yeah. Obviously another team that's not really competitive. And I don't think it changes the dynamic of their team as much. But I think it's just from a from a marketing standpoint about going in the direction with Gruden and mm. making a big splash with, with Antonio Brown before they go to Vegas. Um, I think it's just kind of uh, also a big move, but two non-contending teams making like two of the best receivers in the games are now on their roster. It's pretty crazy stuff, huh? Yeah, I mean, the first thing I really thought about when it came to Odell was honestly Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Because uh, it, it kind of just it spoke a lot to Baker where, I mean, they were putting all their chips into him. And, you know, when we saw what he could do last year as a rookie, number one, on the field with his play, but number two... He's a culture setter, I think, you know, and, and some people going into the draft thought that thing, uh, oh, breaking news, as we're talking right now, Adam Schefter, Le'Veon Bell expected to sign with the Jets, um, that made sense money-wise, they had, they had the bag, 
Um, they're going to go all in with Darnold um, and with Bell. And honestly, going back to this just real quick as a quick side note, it, it kind of goes to show again, we're talking about Baker Mayfield right now, though, but what these uh, – I think the best thing in football right now is actually is a rookie contract Young for quarterbacks. Quarterback. Yeah. And, like, that's the way you have to do it. It's, it's what the Rams are trying to do with Goff, how they went all in last year. Um, it's, it's where you can actually go out and get these – uh, established stars and give them huge contracts because you have a, a quarterback who is ready to play right away, but he's on a rookie deal, which is obviously a cheap deal and everything. I and mean, then you can go out and get someone like a Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell, they just signed Jamison Crowder to a three-year deal yeah. yesterday. So they're, they're making some moves too. It's just, like you said, the rookie quarterback deals are very you know team-friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the Rams just, after doing this two years ago, you know three years ago, they mm-hmm. made the Super Bowl. So. Yeah, they went all in um, because they had someone like Goff who they felt can make the leap with that kind of talent around him. And now you look at Cleveland, and they're doing the same thing with Baker Mayfield. You know, after there's no there's no longer Hugh Jackson in Cleveland. There's no longer freaking Johnny Football. There's no longer Kevin Cobb if he was over there. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, Jeff it's, Hurts, it's yeah. such a, it's such a different culture now, which is really interesting to think about it. And it it always football. I'm sorry, but it, it does start with the quarterback. It does, and someone like Baker Mayfield. I keep bringing up the word culture, but some people took that took his culture possibly as far as how he acts and this and that and and, and what he did in college as far as grabbing a certain area and and throwing you know a flag down and and people thought that that was a negative and and man I'm sorry but but a lot of it I was I I loved the way he played and you know and, and it was a surprise that he was a number one pick for so many reasons because he he doesn't look like this prototypical freaking creative player perfect prospect. But he's someone that he he builds you up. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, no, Baker. Baker is uh, above all of his athletic abilities. He has the it factor. He's yeah. got when he walks into a room, he gets people to believe in not only him but in the jersey that he's wearing. Mm-hmm. And he he's like you know he's just like shocking the college, uh, the NCAA, and then now he's shocking the NFL with with his winning edge. And I think that's something that you can't really put a price on. No. And you could tell by him coming off the bench, saying all the right things. Tyrod helping him out, and then he when Tyrod went down with that concussion, he knew that was his moment, mm-hmm. and the whole energy of Cleveland totally changed when he took over. It was pretty like pretty obvious, and and you know they made a like a borderline playoff push. They won they won a crazy amount of games in a row, and, and Baker did a great job, and and they're only going to get better from here, obviously now with signing OBJ. So uh, big stuff ahead for Cleveland, man. Yeah, you know we we go back to you know how they made that push and everything, and the fact that they even came close to the playoffs last it's year is insane. Crazy though, the Cleveland Browns and they were seven eight and one, and they were actually really close to that. You thinking about they lost a lot of close Cleveland games Brown too. team with seven wins? That's I mean that's that's more like a Cleveland Brown team with fourteen wins. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's what it feels like almost. But you know we go back to how you're talking about the it factor, right? And it is nothing. It is something that you can't measure, and it's something that um you know I. I love all the different kind of stats where we, where we can measure with, with certain with all, kind of all sports now, but that is kind of a, a feel and eye test thing, and you know and um, someone like Odell, people can think that oh you know he can, he can clash with his quarterback or this or that you know and, and you look at him on the sideline and you see him getting animated, throwing his helmet. I'm interested to see how Baker handles it because I think that Baker can actually handle it in a really good way. Yeah, he might be a young quarterback, he might not be this established guy. But I think that he can almost feed it for that and be like, okay, yeah, like, you know, I think he sees that as good energy because he'll give it back to him too. Be like, oh, yeah, you like, you want the ball? Yeah, keep getting open. I got you kind of thing. I mean, 
What do you when you see someone like him? Do you think that he can handle someone like Odell good too? One hundred percent. I think I think Baker Mayfield holds himself like a really good way in, in the sense that he's just very consistent. He's mm-hmm. never he never flinches to the media. He's always the same to everybody. He's kind of got that just that that toughness and and that swagger. Um, you know, um, I I just really think that if Odell and him get in on the sideline or if him and Landry, you know, people are trying to you know argue about touches and stuff. I think that he's going to be able to take it in because he's already taken a, a lot of criticism from the outside, people that don't like him, what have you. And he's still getting all of his players to believe in him and, and the organization. And I think if anything happens on the sideline, yeah, he's just going to bark back. Like, shut up, Odell. Yeah, keep getting open. I'll give you that ball. Yeah, exactly. And, and they'll feed off it in a positive way. I don't think it's going to be, you know, they're challenging each other and, and stuff like that. I really yeah. think it's going to be a constructive energy. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And, and, you know, something that I think will be interesting to see, too, is someone like Jarvis Landry. You know, Juice. Yeah, a lot of people talk about... Bless him. <laughs> a lot of people talk about receivers and kind of like, you know, this attitude. And, they, you know, it's kind of like a me first thing, this and that, and whatever. Let, let's get over that. But the fact that these two guys, who, who could be both number one receivers... The fact that they've known each other since high school in New Orleans, they they went to LSU together, and now they're about to be on the same team, that could be, you know, I feel like that kind of can really help getting, like, the Eagles away or anything like that, which I don't even like using that, that word, but anything like that where people can think that, oh, yeah, I'm sure Odell wants the ball more. Oh, well, like, Juice is not going to get the ball as much. He probably wants the ball more. The fact that these guys are kind of, kind of probably going to be, you know, rooting for each other, like, yeah, throw him the ball. That could help a lot too, I would think. Yeah, definitely. I think it's only going to help, and and them training in the off season, them having that great bond, you know, from high school all the way through now is only going to help. Yeah. Especially when they're playing the same position. Yeah. You know, if the, the they were two huge personalities that didn't know each other, this might not work out very well. We've seen that in the past with big profile receivers being on the same team, mm-hmm. um, but with with their you know understanding of each other. Uh, on and off the field, I think it's it's going to be totally fine. Yeah, and actually looking at the trade, I mean, with it being a first round pick, trade it was a robbery. Yeah, they, they, exactly. They, they got they gave they gave the Giants gave them. Oh, the Giants I was going to say I was going to say the details player. and then say pull one yeah. out for for the Giants fans and like <laughs> I, I I can't even imagine being a New York Giants fan uh, right now and and like I, I can't understand like how you're thinking about your GM right now about Dave Gettleman. But if but actually looking at the details with the number seventeen overall pick, right, <laughs> freaking Schefter, the number seventeen overall pick in this year's draft, plus number ninety five, and safety Jabril Peppers for Odell Beckham Who? Jr. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the guy the guy was playing left center field from the in the Browns defense last year. Like, yeah, he was fun at Michigan. Whatever. Yeah, he was really. Fun He's at not Odell Beckham Jr. No. And what it, what it gets me to though. You know, I think a lot of Niners fans right now are frustrated. And again, as we're saying, we're, ta- we're talking about in, in real time, a Le'Veon Bell deal could happen. Anything can, ha- can happen right now in free agency. But I think a lot of Niners fans, they, want, they really, really wanted either an Antonio Brown or an Odell. You look at those trade details with number 17, 95, and a young guy that has a lot of promise in Jabril Peppers. The Niners had the number two pick in the draft. Do you think it would have been worth it to possibly trade the number two pick for Odell? No, I, I definitely would have held my hand the way they did. Okay. I think they're playing it the right way. Uh, they they want to. I don't think, but Bosa is a, a very 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 talented athlete, and I think they're going defense right now. Um, so they they want another pass rusher, um, and they you know I'm sure we'll get into it here in a minute on the other Niner moves that have happened the last few days mm-hmm. as well. But I think 
they're gonna they're gonna just go for the defense pass rush uh, attack right now. But the offseason's not over yet, so they still could fill that receiver void. But I'm frustrated a little bit as a Niner fan, but I understand what they're doing uh, because in the Shanahan has made that offense work, and they've shown that it's passable. It's play, like they can put points on the board with not the best receiving core around, and Jimmy G hasn't been healthy. McKinnon's not healthy. Um, but they're, they're, they're going to be able to, to still add. There's still time in the draft and in a free agency to fill in that receiving core. Yeah, I think it's tough because, I mean, I... I, I God damn it, Odell. <laughs> no, but like my my, my my head like from like a thousand percent like kind of agrees with you, but then my heart kind of you're kind of like, but man, you 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 have you know my my little kid phantom kind of kind of comes in as far as you you think about a Jimmy G connecting with Odell kind of thing, and you think about what that kind of duo can be, and it's kind of like, damn, you know, like we're we're again saying how anything can happen. But you look at the free agency market for receivers, and it's nothing compared to trading for an Odell or no. an Antonio Brown. And so I think that's where it was kind of – it had to be enticing. It had to be tough. But I do agree that the number two pick – You can't give up the two, bro. No, you know, and and, um, and you you were talking about defense right there and the moves that they had made. And, you know, and yeah, Quan Alexander at linebacker was a, a very solid pick because he's kind of that modern-day linebacker. He is coming off a torn ACL, but he fits with Fred Warner as far as kind of being a position positionless linebacker. But the big one that happened pretty much right after um, the Odell trade was that the Niners traded with the Chiefs for edge rusher D Ford. And with Great that, love that, yeah, move. and with that, they gave him, they obviously gave him a big deal too. D Ford was tagged, franchise tagged by the Chiefs. So if they're going to trade for him, they they clearly were, were going to try to sign him to a big long term deal. Um, it's reportedly going to be five years, eighty-seven and a half million dollars. But with that number two pick plus him, now you're kind of building something. Yeah, that defense is going to be definitely laying the wood next year and definitely putting a lot of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. I think with Bosa, uh, DeForest Buckner, you know, D. Ford, Quan Alexander when he gets healthy, and and some of the other people that they have in Sherman still kind of kind of grooming that secondary, that young secondary. And they're gonna they're gonna get more depth in free agency as well, and in the draft. Like I said, it's an incomplete. I couldn't really give a report card right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know they've done a great job in the last few days, but there's so much to do left. Um, but I, I definitely like I like that, you know. But yeah, like going back to what you were saying though, to to have it like we were talking about last week on Watched, um, to just to have a superstar player in your city yeah. that just rejuvenates a fan base that has yeah. just been getting absolutely punished the last few years. And the Niners have just been, you know, since the, you know, even before the Kaepernick thing, once Harbaugh left, the whole, it's just been a steady decline as far yeah. as not only a product on the field, but just how everyone else is kind of perceiving that team. And I think Jimmy G was the start of, of uh, and, and obviously Shanahan and Lynch, and obviously, and then it goes down, hey, thanks, OBJ. Yeah, I mean, you know, and I completely agree with the morale of the fans. And when they got yeah. Jim, even even though Jimmy G was a back at the time, yeah. he was a guy that you were always kind of like, oh, okay, like if he if he was our starter, like he he could be it. He could be the guy. He's the guy. He could be the start to the franchise kind of thing. And he just started rallying off wins, win, 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 win. When he gets to the Niners, and then you're thinking about, oh, they go out, they get McKinnon, then they both go down, and they they're both hurt, they're both hurt kind of thing. So you know. That kind of franchise, that kind of big name is still there with Jimmy G. I think that maybe the excitement weaned off a little bit because he was hurt and the Niners had another frustrating season. And, you know, and sure, the number two pick in the draft, people get excited for it. Um, the draft, obviously, every year makes people excited, but it's also such a gamble. Yeah. Uh, but that's where you kind of come back to that star name, you know, 
a Le'Veon Bell right now to the Jets, uh, an Antonio Brown to the Raiders uh, with them having their last year in Oakland and moving on to Las Vegas, having an Odell with a, with a Jimmy, is, it, I do think that, of, of course, would have been like a booster for sure. You know, and it's a jersey getter, that's for sure. Definitely you know. marketing. Of course, yeah, you know. Oh like, God, like, yeah. yeah, I would have worn a blonde wig. Why not? Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I, um, I, I think that it had to be enticing. Um, you know, you, you've talked a lot about with the D4 plus a Buckner plus an, an ideal world in the draft to be adding a Nick Bosa. If the Cardinals do change hand at quarterbacks and go with Kyler Murray number one, then that their top prospect, hands down on the board, is Nick Bosa. And he falls right in your lap. Now you have a trio of guys that can rush the passer. And that is what is premium football right now, is getting after the quarterback. So, sure, I think Niners fans wanted an, an AB. They wanted an OBJ. Um, like you've said the whole time, um, things can change really quickly in free agency, as we're seeing literally in real time with SportsCenter on the TV right now. But... You know the defense; they're making building blocks, and I think it'll be really, interesting, really interesting to see though what that receiving corp is going to be. So we'll see, we'll see. That's all you can really say right now. But um, but yeah, I, again, I kind of back to where where I started with that was a little bit of a curveball for us. Not really, Heart. not really. <laughs> That's strike one. That's strike one. It's a good of all. It's not really the what, foot outside blue. <laughs> it's not what we were a horseshit zone all day. Really, what we were. Uh, Planning on the last few days there. Uh, but something that we actually did want to talk about a little bit, something that I really want to talk about with you that, that I brought up was this clip uh, from, it's, it's, I think was a little over a week now, uh, actually a little bit more, a little bit less than two weeks, was Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, was at the, um, the MIT Sloan um, Sports like Analytic Conference. And he was talking with Bill Simmons from The Ringer. And he was really just talking about how social media has kind of affected modern athletes and stuff. And he was kind of talking about the unhappiness, the loneliness, because it seems like all these different NBA guys have had, there's been a little more drama this year with stars, whether it's a Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving with the media and with constant rumors and constantly talking about you and constantly, you know, different tweets and things that might, might be true, things that might not be. And, uh, and it can't be easy. So I actually want to play that clip because I thought it was really interesting. And I really kind of want to get your take about one certain part that I'll talk about in one sec here. I think there's a few issues going on. One is a, is a larger societal issue. And I know you have a lot of young people who work for you at the yep. Ringer. Obviously, our, our players are young. We have young people in our office. I, I mean, I think we live a bit in the age of anxiety. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's it's... I've read studies on this. I think part of it is a direct product of social media. Yes. Um, And and I think those players we're talking about, when I meet with them, what strikes me is that they are truly unhappy. Yeah. This is not some, like, you know, show they're putting on for the media. When you get, you know, when you have relations with a lot of players, when I'm one-on-one with a lot of these guys, you know, I think to the outside world, they see the fame, the money, all the trappings that go with it. They're the best in the world at what they do. You know, they, they say, how is it possible? Like, they could even be complaining. And I, you, I hear this on television all the time. A lot of these young men are genuinely unhappy. I mean, some have come from very difficult circumstances. That doesn't help. Right. Some of them are amazingly isolated. And you and I have talked about this. That This goes back to Jordan in the 90s. Right. It's not even the camaraderie 
that they were accustomed to. I mean, you saw some of the um, the trailer, or some, some parts of this film that we have from Michael's last year yeah. on the Bulls. I mean, the camaraderie was incredible. I mean, Michael, like what people didn't see was, I mean, he and, and Phil Jackson, obviously, as, as the coach, deserves enormous credit, but there was like classic team building going on all the time. These guys were a band of brothers, you know, on the buses, on the planes, and, and all the attention only brought them closer. If you're around a team in this day and age, their headphones on, they're isolated, and they're head down. Like, as soon as the, it used to be, I remember years ago, Isaiah Thomas said to me, championships are won on the bus. And he meant right. that. And I, and I disagree. One of the comments from the earlier panelists was, oh, forget those other five guys on the team. Those five guys on the team were critically important. Even if they hardly had any minutes, all, you know, you know, usually they were veteran players. They were leaders who were able to take players aside in a way a coach couldn't, yeah. you know, because they'd lived through it. It was just something that a, a teammate could do that a coach couldn't or certainly an owner or somebody or an administrator in the team. Yeah, I found that just really, really interesting, number one. Um, the first thing I just want to hit on really quickly was kind of talking about the anxiety and different things like that. Um, I think that there's been a lot of talk in the NBA this year with people like Kevin Love. A lot of different people have been outspoken about that, which I think is a really, really, really good thing. Um, and I hope that people do listen to that part and kind of actually think about that and really read into what certain players have talked about. But something that I want to talk about with you real quick and kind of ask especially with you being a college baseball coach, was more towards that end part, where he was talking about how championships are one of the bus and talking about how Isaiah Thomas said that and the camaraderie of a Jordan Bulls team. He, you know, even though there's a lot of things going on with those teams, and you know, when you had a Dennis Rodman and you had a Jordan who's this crazy competitive guy, but the team bonding and the winning the championships on the bus, kind of just want to get your kind of perspective on that real quick. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, um, you know, I, I coach at Santa Rosa JC, and uh, we definitely have a championship culture. And you, you hear that word a lot nowadays is, is, the, is the word culture. Mm-hmm. But what Coach Ron Myers and what Coach Damon Nylinger have instilled into that university is just... For a, years, yeah. For years, mm-hmm. yeah. Since like 1983 when, when Coach Myers took over, um, there's just been a great sense of the word brotherhood. I love how that, that word was actually brought up in that. That just reminded me of SRJC. Yeah, brotherhood, right? No doubt. So... Yeah, and you played there as well. We were teammates there, and 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 going going towards the championships on the bus, and we've we've won a few conference championships. We won a state championship in uh, twenty sixteen, uh, state runner up in twenty seventeen, nationally ranked program, and um, the main reason why is because of the players and, and the relationships that they're able to build with each other in the environment that we put them in. Now, the environment that we put them in is is in a, is an environment where you're going to have to trust your guys. It's not easy. Baseball is not an easy game, and we, we definitely turn the heat up a little bit on a competitive standpoint to make you trust your guy. Because in baseball, it's individual, yes, one-on-one pitcher, batter, but at the same time, the other eight guys on the field and everyone on that rail cheering for you is just as important, mm-hmm. which I thought Silver hit right on the head. Going towards the bus part, you know, going in a, into a ball game, guys that don't even play, in my opinion, guys on my pitching staff that don't pitch or guys that are on our bench – that don't play, they have just as big of a role as the leadoff hitter, as the three hitter, as the opening day starter, as your closer. And I, and I think what Coach Damon and what Coach Ron have been able to, to, to instill is that you have to trust everyone in the unit from top to bottom. And you have to do it day in and day out with a purpose. And if, you, if everyone buys into that role, there's no individuality here. Yeah, you know, you're going to be a three hitter. You're going to be the winning pitcher. Yeah, of course, on, on the scorebook, there is individuality in the game of baseball. But... 
there's a unit, there's a collective unit. And I don't think in sports, I don't think there's anything more intimidating than a unit of 32, 35, whatever people that are all in on a common goal. And I think championships are won by that. And I think I've seen it firsthand as a player and and now as a coach that that's totally true. And, and, And going back to what Silver was saying about it being now everyone's got their headphones in everyone's on the social media we're living in a in a in an era of anxiety um i've seen it a little bit in recent years guys are more are more in tune to what's going on in in on the instagram you got to scroll your page you got to refresh whatever but i feel like you know for a good majority of my time with that program guys aren't even on their phones guys are get building relationships like we have a great relationship we've always been very close and I think that JC brought us even closer for sure and I can say that with guys that I played with that and we play with that I haven't talked to in in several years if I call them tomorrow it would be like no time has passed what do you need you know what I mean that and that goes back to the word brotherhood and I think um I don't know if that answers your question completely but I, I just feel like just as a coach having guys that trust each other that's what gets you over the hump in those tough games not, you know, hey, look at my profile picture. I got 300 <laughs> likes today. I'm pretty yeah. good at sports, you know. Yeah. I completely agree. And, you know, and you did use that word culture a lot in that brotherhood. And I think that's something, of course, that has made San Jose JC baseball successful. There's no doubt about that. I think it'd be really interesting to see, number one, other schools, because we can't put ourselves in, in other schools' shoes, whether it's at the JC level, high school, D1. Wherever, you know what I mean? Um, but definitely also at the professional level, like Silver was talking about. And, and you look at the, like this, the, head, the head down, these different things. And I do try to like wonder, you know, because you know, like, we don't know. We're, we're not on the plane with them. We're not, we're not there. But I do kind of wonder what that's like. And it is really interesting whenever you do see any of these players put things out. Uh, I remember... When the Warriors won that first championship, when they had guys like Barbosa and stuff like that, and they were kind of, they would be filming each other after the championship, and they're like singing and meshing around, and they were such a, uh, you know, again, I can't truly speak on what this team is like this year or anything else, but there's obviously been different drama with Kevin Durant or Draymond or whatever, just like any team deals with. But that team was, you know, it was such kind of like an up-and-coming team, and you had obviously your stars and a Clay and Steph, but I wonder if these teams like them now that have five, six superstars, if that makes it a little more individualistic. I think it definitely does. Yeah. I, and we're seeing it firsthand. These yeah. super teams, that's the one negative is that you're going to have a lot of, a lot of, a lot of, uh, self-confidence and a lot of, also a lot of, um, uh, like expectations. Yeah. I mean, you're going to want to get yours. I mean, simple yeah. as that, right? And, and that's obviously, been a question with with this Warriors team and uh where you have literally a starting five of five people that have been all-stars in really 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 recent years you know and and something that I think people will trust it that it, that it could work and it, you know they're still they're great have they had their hiccups this year yes but you know something that people thought that can give them over the hump is kind of the culture that Steve Kerr has built the kind of offense but there's no doubt that uh, that with them or with any other team. And the, the Celtics have, have had issues this year. Oh, God, that was a little weird. But with this year, um, with having so much individual talent, right? Um, and the kind of, they haven't lived up to expectations. 
And, you know, and uh, I just think it's, it's got to be really interesting thinking about that compared to, like, a JC level or something. Right. And, and even on any level of sport, I feel like if, the te- if you put the team first, your individual stats are going to come. Of course, yeah. Uh, and I, I feel I, like – I agree with and that. I, and, I, and it's hard to say that when we're talking about the Warriors. But I'm, just, I'm not just talking about our baseball team. and I'm just talking about in general. I feel like when you have everyone in on, like, hey, dude, if we want to win a championship, everyone, if everyone does their job, and then you just trust that everyone else is going to do their job, and that's that's it. You're individually going to be more successful. And that's how someone like an Andre Iguodala wins an NBA Finals MVP. Of course, you know. Of course, just does whatever it takes to help his team win. Because he's leaving the Nuggets and the Sixers being more of a not a premier scorer, but more of a 17 points a game kind For of sure. scorer, 16 points a game kind of scorer. And now he's playing scattered minutes, very important defense, and he might only have two or three buckets a game, maybe. Yeah. But he's helping his team win, and he was the glue on those championship teams, shutting down LeBron and, and, and doing some great things. But he put the team first, being an older guy, and just kind of trusted that, hey, I need to win a ring, so I'll do whatever it takes if it's off the bench, if it's whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's interesting, too, where you kind of talk about those different individuals. And right now, can we kind of think about someone like a DeMarcus Cousins, who has had you know, he's been a star in the past. He's also had his ups and downs this year and kind of fit in, but also kind of not fit in this year at times with the Warriors. And and I kind of think about, you know, if they run into a team where his fit might not really fit, I want to see how he deals with that against a team like the Rockets or something. But I think, you know, he's going to be a free agent this year. He wants to get his money after taking barely anything NBA standards to join the Warriors. I think if teams see him take that gracefully and show that I will be a guy on a championship team, it's only going to boost his stock as a free agent also. You know what I mean? So I, I think that totally teams do that. recognize that. Yeah. You know, but I actually want to take a step back real quick and go back to how you were talking about when you're talking about your, about your team, about SRJC right now, and the importance of... You know, you're talking about players uh, that aren't, might not be in the lineup that day or, or your pitchers as a pitching coach that aren't a starter that day and might not even be a reliever that day and how, you know, they buy in and how that's what gets wins. How do you or a Damon in the past or a Coach Beekner or Coach Myers or anybody else get them to buy in though? You know what I mean? How, how, how does that really kind of resonate, especially with younger kids? Yeah, no, it's, it's, I think it's a, a daily reminder of why we're here, right? Uh, when, when you recruit a player or when you talk to them about the program, everyone knows about how serious wins and losses mean to us and the pride that comes with it. And it's about growing up not only as a player but as a man, right? You mm-hmm. hear that a lot about SRJC is you, you turn into the man you're supposed to become, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like every day we remind our players and our pitching staff and, and everyone in the organ, you know, the athletic department that, hey, like we're going to put our best foot forward today. We're going to be better than we were yesterday. And it's a grind. It's not it's not just, hey, yeah, we're just going to just roll the balls out. And we're going to, you know, this is our job. And you can't take things for lightly because you get no redos in this life and let alone your athletic career. So you just got to grind it out every day. So relating to guys nowadays you know, you have to remind them of the past, but you also can't dwell on it. And you have to, to, to kind of 
every group is different, but you also have a, a standard that you play at, which can be consistent no matter what the group is. True. So the standard stays the same no matter what individuals make up the team. And at any level. At, at any level. level. Or at a higher. Yes. I, I think lower. this is for all sports. You, you hold your team to a standard and you hold people accountable because I feel like in all sports, I feel like people aren't really accepting responsibility, whether they're right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's something that we pride ourselves on. And I feel like a lot of pro teams, there's a lot of guys that do hold themselves accountable. Like, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll be like, yeah, that was on me tonight. There would be, you know, Baumgartner opposed. Like, yeah, I didn't pitch well tonight. Yeah. Or, you know, we see guys in the Bay Area that do that. But I feel like in today's game, it's more individualistic to where, hey, I got mine. So, yeah, you know, hey, I got 40 tonight. Where are the rest of my teammates at? And you've heard guys say stupid stuff in the press. Of course. Because that's what the expectations are now individually. But... At the college level, it's really just just grinding out daily and trusting the guys around you. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's going to be an ongoing conversation, whether it's looking at the part that Silver was talking about with um, kind of the anxiety-wise or just kind of how um, the stigma with all of our society, with what social media is doing to us, to kind of building championships in today's modern life with uh, social media, but it's something that I just wanted to hit with you and thought it was really no, interesting. That was fun, yeah, yeah, no, that was it's, cool. it's something that we've kind of talked about, I feel like, uh, outside the pod before too, uh, especially just, just kind of riffing back and forth, especially with how your team's doing, different things like that for sure. So it's something that I want to talk about, thought it was really interesting, but another part of just kind of technology and sports that uh, if you're watching spring training right now, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. More and more <laughs> is just these, these players that are mic'd up and uh, yeah, I, I, uh, something that... You know, Mookie Betts, he was the AL MVP last year, but he's a personality. And I just want to play a quick, real, a lot quicker than the last one, but a quick clip of him being mic'd up uh, during a spring training game and just kind of, just really kind of seeing his mind and seeing what's going on. It's just so much different than we're used to, and especially in a game like baseball. So I, here, here's, uh, here's what that was like real quick. So everybody, everybody's hearing that. Yeah. I'm going to get this one, guys. I got you. I got the win. I'm going to second right here. Yep, there we go. Textbook. And that's literally him talking, I mean, to like to the analyst, like mid-game. He has a fly ball hit to him. He says, I, I got this, I got this. And you, I'm going to throw a second base right here. Textbook throw. Throws it in. And there was actually like longer clips with that too where um, he was just kind of – golf game. Yeah, he's, he's like literally kind of in the outfield talking about his golf game. Yeah. So as a fan – First of all, just kind of what are your thoughts about with the mic'd up in baseball? I think I think it would be a lot of fun. I think um, you see it a lot in the NBA and especially in NFL, especially during hard knocks and, and a lot of stuff like that. You see a lot of the player and coaches mic'd up, which we always jokingly laugh about. We watch those YouTube clips of all the, the NFL mic'd up stuff. So I think for the jacked game, of jacked. I, th- I think uh, I think for the for the MLB, I think it'd be a great thing. And uh, especially with outfielders and big personalities like that, there's a lot of downtime in the outfield in between pitches and stuff. So I, th- I think there would be some good content there. And, and Mookie Betts could definitely tell some good stories this year. But I also think that, uh, you know, from a pitcher standpoint, if, if personally if I was pitching, uh, I, know, I know where you're headed with this, the second part, but I feel like as a pitcher, if I, I was pitching and I knew I was mic'd up, it would be kind of interesting to have that. Um, but I don't know if I would want that if I was pitching because I was so, like, locked in. And, you know, if I didn't get a call, you know, I'd, I'd let it rip on the air, you know. Like, I, I don't know how I would probably take that if things didn't go my way. Well, you talking about pitching. I, I just want to play this real quick, actually. Trevor Bauer, he kind of actually mic'd himself up during a, uh, a spring training game, which was – he kind of did it himself with his own 
media company, which is a whole different story. But here's kind of an, another short clip, and this is Bauer being mic'd up um, in the middle of the game, him on the mound. He, he did it during the bullpen, during the throwing session and everything, but here's just kind of a real taste of him on the mound, which is so much different like we've been talking about. Fist, fist. <laughs> 92 only, huh? I ain't gonna play. 91, eh? I ain't gonna play either. That's gonna play though. They get old. Right on, right changeup. Let's throw this one as hard as I can, right down the middle. Let's see what we put up there on the old scoreboard. Alrighty. I mean, what do you think about that as a pitcher? I, I mean, I thought that was cool. Bauer's definitely a big personality, so I think he likes the spotlight. But yeah. I definitely, okay. I definitely think that the cool thing about being like, I feel like there's been things that. I've said in the past, or pitchers that say, like, you kind of, you're so locked in, you don't even know what you're saying. So I feel like it'd be kind of fun to kind of look back and see what the heck I was saying during my outing, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I said a lot of shit as a hitter that I can't, uh... Yeah. That's a whole different story that I can't really say here. That's <laughs> a whole, whole long story about things that I said uh, as a hitter. But again, can't get on here, but honestly, this is kind of a whole, like, different thinking, but honestly, I would pay... HBO, subscription, whatever. If we had uncensored, mic'd up sports. Oh, that'd be great. I, like I would, the XFL, I would, like, but like, but like, for but every sport. Legit. Like, just, if, yeah, just legit. If, if I could watch a Warriors game with, oh, with Draymond. Oh my God. Uncensored, I, yeah. I would pay for it. I, I, I would too. If I could watch a baseball game, literally, fully mic'd up, Baumgartner, whoever. If it's, even if it's, you know, a stand hitting a bomb and... Jogging uh, on the bases to hear if he's just dead silent or if, or if he's kind of talking, talking, talking stuff a little bit. Yeah. Like, I would love that. You, you get inside, um, you know, it'd be tough. The AAF, uh, this new uh, alliance of American football, is kind of doing that with their quarterbacks and stuff. And it's really interesting. And they obviously turn their mics off at certain points with like play calls and stuff because you can't have, you know, the other team hear the calls. And so that would obviously kind of get into the specifics. But to really kind of get into the athlete's mind, I think, would be awesome. I think it would be awesome, and I think it would grow the sport. Because I feel like some people think baseball is boring. Mm-hmm. Some people think certain sports are boring. But I feel like if you get to see the player's raw emotion, whether it's funny, whether it's, or it's strategy, intense, or it's strategy as yeah. well, like I feel like the sport would grow because you would have a better understanding as well. I agree. Uh, it's something that like I've always wanted. Uh, I don't think... It's fully gonna happen. That's I don't why. <laughs> that's why I think that it's a such a spring training thing. But with something like miking up outfielders with a Mookie Betts or a Mike Trout uh, or a Stanton, a Judge, do you think that that's something that we could see more either now or in the future? That's more realistic. Yeah. I mean, is it something that as a fan that you? Would you fully want it? Can, can you, do you think that you can get completely used to it? Uh, do, do you think that it should be maybe... I don't, it's almost like, do, do they have like one player like per game kind of thing? Instead of you know all nine or all three outfielders or something like that. If they can kind of do like one player per game, would that be kind of cool? Yeah, if you do a different, a different voice every game, it would be yeah. kind of cool. I think that would be cool to bounce it around and you get to kind of know your players a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I think it's, that's kind of a cool, fresh idea. I just don't know if they're going to do it full-time like that. 
But I feel like they always do it for the NFL, but then they come out with these collections later in the year. Like after the year's over, they have the NFL mic'd up moments. But you don't really hear it. During you don't the get broadcast. everything mic'd up. You don't up. get I mean, everything. It's definitely yeah. doctored. There's a reason. Yes. There's a reason that you're not lip sync. Hearing... Yeah. Well, then there's reasons that you're not hearing cursing and this or that. Right. They and, and, and it's like I'm sorry, but yes, people curse during games. It's no big deal. And I'm not saying I just want to hear curse words, but I just want to hear the rawness of an athlete. Yeah. Whether it is. A strategy, whether it is uh, an emotion of being angry or happy, either one, like, or, or you, you know, it, we talked about last time, poster dunks, and how, and how I was like, that's like the biggest fuck you in sports, and that's something, as a superpower, I want to do. Can you imagine getting that uncensored, mic'd up, a poster dunk on somebody, dude, and you can hear what, what they're saying, you can kind of, almost kind of feel their emotion? Now, that's a sports experience to me. That's a 100% experience. Yeah, so. It feels like you're there as well. Yeah, and and I, and I think that's what like you know, they're trying to get you closer and closer with sports and with their, with entertainment is to try to get you to feel like you're there. You know, they've kind of messed around with three D or virtual reality or this all this different kind of stuff. But honestly, just for me to uh, be able to hear rawness of an athlete or as a coach, or um, even just even if it's you know fully mic'd up with the sound of the cleats with with, with the sound of the, the squeaking of the shoes. Everything like that, I think, was just really cool, and that's where you can kind of feel the emotion of sports a little bit more. So it heightens all your senses. One hundred percent, and um, so I think that'll be really interesting. What MLB does with it this uh, during this season, I haven't really heard anything about it. We've obviously seen it more and more in spring training, but it's something that we'll that we'll see what actually transpires from it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I think number one, whether it's Talking about social media and sports, or the miking, like miking someone up, or whatever. I think the more I just think that technology and sports. That I mean, we're what we talked about today is not even you know it's the, the we're tip, barely scratching. It's the, the tip surface. of the iceberg, you know. And there's so many different kind of avenues that we can go down. Um, that I think is going to be really interesting. Whether it's you know, in in game highlights, in game betting, this or that, just just how athletes use their brand on social media, all this different kind of things. Uh, which you know we can definitely talk about more in different episodes, but I just think it's an interesting thing to look at. Whether again, whether it's social media, whether it's feeling the emotion of players, I think technology is just going to change sports. Yeah. Was that? Um, but yeah, so those were those were two subjects that we talked about a lot uh, lately. Um, something that we want to talk about uh, just on this pod for sure. Uh, but something that we do do every week is our Wash Athlete of the Week. <laughs> and uh, and I'm actually going to give it to Hunter Pence. Um, and it's only spring training. It's hard to have a Wash Athlete of the Week. But he might be proving that he's not washed. I mean, do you think that resurgence, comeback season? For, Who knows, for man. I mean, he's got him like four standing O's from the Giants fans. <laughs> he's got pretty good. He's even, definitely not even when they're not even playing the Giants, he's getting standing O's. Yeah. It's like, when, what's wrong with me? They're just coming out to his, with his <laughs> giant jersey on. No, but I think, you know, Hunter Pence is, is getting a chance to get consistent at bats, and he, it seems like he's healthy. Spring training, like we talked about on the first episode of Wash, like stats don't really mean too, too much in the sense, but it's good, it's encouraging to see. That with his new team of the Texas Rangers, you know, this spring he's batting 400 with three home runs, five RBIs, and four stolen bases, uh, and 30 at bats. So, I mean, he's he's definitely producing, and it's nothing to scoff at. I mean, it's you simple as that. are the wash athlete of the week. Yeah, Hunter Pence, that a bit? That a bit. That a bit. Yeah, and you, and you talk about how, you know, spring training stats don't always matter. With someone like Pence, the, even as a 
a veteran. He's been around for a long time. But what I think that could like matter with him, he's trying to change his swing again a little bit, you know, and he went to a, a hitting instructor for so it's almost like he is a young player trying to, you know, find that spring to find himself on the Oh, this ground. is a huge spring for him. This is probably one of the bigger ones of his career because he signed late and he's trying to make a ball club and uh, and he's you know started his career in Texas. It'd be pretty cool for him to end it in Texas as well. He'll make that team. Too, He'll I make think. that team. Yeah, let's yeah. be real. Yeah, uh, Joey Gallo, a little bit. That's about it. And Odor, yeah. he's not punching Batista. Willie Calhoun. Hey, Willie. <laughs> for three. Yeah, but hey, big congrats to Hunter. Um, yeah, it's Washington. good to see a former Giant do well. Yeah, yeah, cool. uh, but is okay. Fine, he he has three home runs so far in spring and thirty at bats. Will Hunter Pence finish the year with more home runs than any Giants outfielder? Yes, <laughs> yes, probably. Unless Parra wants to go into the water about twelve times, which yeah. I doubt it. If if Mac Williamson gets on a tear like like he did. <sighs> For like what, like six games last year? Yeah. Then I could see. I, honestly, he's someone that has power where he could hit, where he could hit seven home runs or twenty seven. Yeah, we talked about that a couple episodes ago yeah. when we gave our our mo- like our projected Giants lineup. Like Mac Williamson could be the difference in the power game. Um, where he yeah, like you say, he hit seven or he can hit twenty five plus. I mean, he's that strong. It's just a matter of him being healthy, but. Yeah. If not, uh, if if let's say Williamson is cold or he's not healthy, Hunter Pence. I take Pence in his bet, hundred percent. Whether whether he's hitting one hundred or not, Hunter Pence is someone that you just can't count out from the way that he plays, with the passion he brings, everything. So uh, honestly, from the outside looking in, um, I'm rooting for Hunter Pence. It's, I am too. It's, it's good to see him doing well. Yeah. So you know, I mean. If he doesn't get any any uh, other accolades this year, he's, he'll always have the uh, the Lost Athlete of the Week on his uh, on his mantle there, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's a I, pretty big award now. <laughs> it's a real big award. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got MVP, you got Lost Athlete of the Week. Hey, eh, pretty close. <laughs> pretty pretty close. Yeah, but hey, that, that was uh, two things I really kind of want to hit on. Plus, obviously, we had the the free agency. Um, really interesting to hear from your perspective as a coach, where we talked about the social media and everything. So, really interesting. That was episode five of Washed. Thanks for listening in. Please remember to rate, subscribe, review. Follow us on Twitter at Washed underscore pod. We're going to try to get on there a lot more often, so please follow us there. And, again, just share, listen in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. Later. Stay washed. Woo!